0: Why, hello, it's your dearest of all hosts, Chappie, the British butler, and I tell you, I'm manfully taking on the challenge of this fairly well-esteemed podcast in some areas of the world, I mean, some, some people have never heard of it. It's an eclectic taste and a unique audience, I would say, but I'm actually doing the podcast from my boudoir from bed and this isn't a piece i'm you know i'm like moving around here it's a very nice comfortable mattress so you wouldn't be able to hear the springs breaking or anything under under my tonnage but uh yeah so i did the covid booster yesterday very lucky to have that and I'm not feeling 100%, let me put it that way, I feel a little bit off. I feel probably 75% chappy. The voice is fine, the man is still cheeky, but uh, it's just something not computing. The wires are not connecting today completely, so I do apologize. If this is going to be the uh, most off-putting listen you're ever going to have on your uh, wireless computer iPod, whatever you listen to this uh, this ramshackle nonsense on, then uh, then then I apologise. We're going to try to inject the same sort of energy in humour that you would normally get. But uh, yeah, i di- i didn't do the uh, didn't do the Joe Rogan horsey wormer uh, vaccine. No, I decided not to do that. I decided to go about my ways uh, with the traditional vaccine. But yeah, I don't feel. Fantastic. Now, I don't feel like some people that were, you know, completely uh, convalescing and out of it for two days. I, I just feel slightly off kilter. Now, my kilt's not slightly off kilter. That's obviously where it would be, just below my sporran. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Never, never, never wear a kilt. I'd never upset our Scottish cousins by wearing a kilt. But I do have a rather nice tartan pajama on today. Um, I'm not turning it into a pajama boy. It's not something that I would wear day in day out. I wouldn't leave the house in pajamas. I would not go to uh, to Whole Foods or Trader Joe's pajamaed up. Yeah, I think that's just absolutely ridiculous. You can't do that. Dress compressor. Dress presser. So we'll see how this goes. Now as I said it may not be a bundle of energy like it normally is and uh, who knows I might start hallucinating my temperature may fly uh, through the uh, mercury and I won't be able to continue doing the podcast I'll have to put a pause on it uh, but so far so good and I highly recommend I mean everything's skyrocketing here around in Colorado uh, the cases are going up so I think it's prudent to to go and, uh, go and get the uh, go and get the booster shot. But I'm I've also decided that instead of putting the heat on this winter, I might be a, a three duvet man. So I've got a I got a little white singlet duvet. I have my blue and then I've got one on top here. And I f- I'm finding that's serving me much better than uh than the usual uh nonsense of turning the central heating on now i I become like a flaky pastry i noticed this this morning my girlfriend said why are your eyebrows flaking i said i i have this condition that affects the eyebrows it's makes my eyebrows flaky you know i i think i need to find some sort of eyebrow conditioner or something along those lines that I could just rub in, or maybe some like oil or something I could rub into the eyebrows, just so I can moisturize them liberally. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that an extra blanket and maybe wearing a sweater to bed could be the answer to uh, to those very very dry skin problems that uh, that I that I have to, that I that I do have upon a winter's night. Um, but at the moment, I don't know where I'm at. I mean, I've, I've got the fan going at the moment. A few minutes ago, I was freezing cold. So we just don't know. So the, the podcast is very much therapy to make me feel slightly better. And uh, everything's set up a little bit differently here. So you have to bear with me. If you hear some banging and crashing or my uh, fisherman's sweater brushed up against the, uh, brushed up against the uh, microphone, then you'll understand that i'm actually doing this from bed and what you can hear is uh, a chappy in severe sort of malady uh, with his fisherman's sweater brushing up against the microphone so coming along the way on keep calm and cauliflower cheese episode 137 so just to give you an idea this is an expat podcast i haven't lived in the uk for 20 years But I have been living my life as an Englishman in America. Not an Englishman in New York, as Sting sung about, but an Englishman in America. And trying to live my best life, but not really indulging uh, and becoming one with the American culture, as I probably should do. Like, I still drink uh, English tea. I, uh, I still like my toast done on half of one side. I uh, still do like a nice thick cut marmalade, I do like to dress and impress, I do wear a tie, I wear a lot of sweaters very often, do love the ascot, and um, do uh, in fact love a custard cream and a spotted dick on occasion. So we look at the uh, whimsical nature of a British man living in America trying to live his best life and that's really the, uh, the ultimate essence of this podcast, that is a running thread for it. Uh, we've had 136 editions before this, and really, it's the same nonsense of me rambling on about a whole load of old tat for about an hour each week. Uh, well, sometimes like two hours, really. The podcasts uh, do range in size. Um, some say the bigger the better, but you know, you just uh, the right size is uh, is always uh, is always very important. It's what you do with the podcast counts. So that's what they do say. So coming along the way in the podcast today. Yeah, a great start to Monday. I uh, I hopped on the butler bus, and uh, I was raising or sorry, lowering my posterior down, and uh, came across something rather unsavoury. Also, I'm going to be introducing you to uh, uh, Yoga Nana. Uh, also uh, my Roomba has become a monster my my uh, electronic robot cyborg vacuum has become a monster also one of the most inappropriate things for an uber driver to say Uh, also invading a kitchen when you're hangry we're having that as well on the podcast Um, also uh, tourist sex on the beaches wrecking fragile canary island sand dunes uh, we're going to be talking about Sandy Cracks, obviously. The annoyance of the next door app verification postcard. Uh, how runners are starting to look a little bit more disheveled. A new game that I have decided to start playing. Uh, also, uh, we're going to be... Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to audition. Maybe not today, because I've got the energy. But I'm going to audition for one of the most famous aspects of your life at the moment. So one of the things that you probably do every day, uh, if you're driving in a car getting directions, you'll probably know what I'm talking about here. Uh, also, we never got round last week to me uh, stinging my finger and also scaring the pizza delivery guy. Uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be talking about that. So there's like so much to, so much to talk about here today, Captain. Um, so we, we will have a trample or trombone. Uh, We will uh, talk about maybe an 800-year-old tea bringing an aha moment. Uh, Royal family travel secrets. What did Tudor England look and smell like? Uh, Also, how's the best way to uh, break down or cut an onion according to mathematics? Uh, There's a Christmas asteroid coming our way. So these are some of the stories that I may cast out uh, onto my podcast fly and see if I indeed get a bite. So luckily for me, uh, Colorado does lead the nation in dog poo complaints, a study has found. The same study ranks Pittsburgh, or Poopsburg, as it's now known, as the dog poop capital of the US. Colorado ranks first in the nation for the most dog poo complaints, according to a recent study. The study by Protect My Paws, a company that helps consumers find pet insurance, analyze tweets with a number of poop-related keywords. For example, dog poo, stepped in poo, reveal the dog poop capitals of America, according to the news release. Colorado leads the nation with 5.4 tweets annually per 100,000 population with poop-related keyword complaints. According to the study, Oregon came in a whisker close second Now, when it comes to whisk close, and you're dealing with dog poop, you certainly do not want that. We analyzed tweets searching for keywords related to dog poo complaints to reveal the foulest state of them all. The state of Colorado, known for its vivid landscape of mountains, forests, canyons, rivers, and desert lands. If you're into natural scenic beauty, Colorado is a haven. But it also happens to be the dog poo capital of the world. I mean, part of the issue is... These thin bags they put around everywhere. I mean, where your finger goes through it, and then you, and then that ruins a dog walk. Where you have no hand sanitizer, you have a poopy finger, and the rest of your dog walk has to be conducted like that. Make the bags thicker. The same study have a list of the 10 dog poopiest cities in the country, and not a single municipality in Colorado made the stinking list. Protect my paws Names Pittsburgh, as number one on the dog poop capitals of the U.S., Seattle came in second, and it's wet there. You've got a whole poopy slurry going on, and Atlanta is third. Pittsburgh has a poop problem. Uh, the article reads, uh, but uh, yeah, exactly. Make your poop bags thicker, and uh, yeah, you won't you won't have a problem there. Or what happened to the uh, what happened to the wonderful invention of the uh, 80s and 90s? Our old friend, the pooper scooper. So how do you like to start your Monday morning? Uh, my, uh, my Monday morning was started rather fine, in a rather fine, fantastic way. Getting on the Butler bus uh, was how I started my Monday morning. And I, I like the bus. I like, love people watching. I uh, love the train, love the bus. You're a little bit like Joe Biden, I know. Biden likes his trains, and Boris likes his buses. But I do like a bus, and uh, so hopped on, and in, always in a bit of a rush, rushing to get uh, get into work. And I lowered my posterior, I lowered my rump down onto the seat. And I'm always a little bit careful, you know. As a as a as a private school boy, you have to be careful what you're sitting on. On the best of occasions, I mean, you can oh god, you can get yourself into all sorts of piccalilli. But now I lowered the rump down, and it brushed the top of the seat, and it was soaking wet. Now I'm just hoping that was coffee, maybe a juice. Uh, it, it did have the like the look, uh, you know, on the floor a little bit like apple juice. So yeah, it made me slightly suspicious. But you know what? Having a wet butt. A wet bottom, a wet ass. first thing in the morning is not a good start to a, a Monday. I mean, it's probably the worst start to a Monday. And then you're trying to, like, once you get into work, try to raise yourself up to that Dyson uh, hand dryer. I mean, that's, it. that's a workout in itself. Like, you're raising your posterior up um, almost, I, I mean, the best way is to go on all fours and just move that rump up into the air, trying to get close to the hair dryer, uh, sorry, the hand dryer, and try to dry the the, the trousers that way. You know, it, because you're gonna have a wet bottom the rest of the morning if not. Now, I did, you know, I did try to use the sink as leverage to lift myself up a little bit, just to get that drying started. Um, but uh, but alas, uh, too many people coming in, and and you know, I don't think it's a good start to anybody's day seeing your dear host on all fours, raising his butt in the air, trying to get his bottom dry. So we've done a quick straw poll survey, and literally a straw poll, we surveyed peasants, basically, on the main topics and considerations of this podcast. And they found that 99% of the time we talk about toilet humor, or bodily functions, or something a little bit cheeky. Anyway, Back to, the, uh, back to the bodily functions here and toilet humor. A broken toilet on SpaceX capsule means astronauts will return to Earth in diapers. The journey back to Earth from space is never easy. But the astronauts aboard the SpaceX capsule coming home Monday will have an extra challenge to deal with. No working toilet. The four members of the SpaceX Drew Dragon Endeavor uh, will be wearing diapers as they splash down, well, hopefully not literally, in order to prevent them from anything else splashing down too. Uh, the crew for the mission, known as uh, Crew 2, hopefully not Crew No. 2, has been at the International Space Station since April, and it was spent nearly 200 days in space. It's been a very, very intense mission. I mean, that sounds like they've already got constipation going on, uh, said the expedition's commander and French astronaut, Thomas Pesquy, uh, in a press conference over the weekend over over the mission they conducted a series of spacewalks installing solar panels to upgrade the station's power grid grew the first green chili peppers in space and made tacos and uh, even hosted a private russian film crew the uh, spacex capsule is currently scheduled to undock from the international space Station on monday afternoon and will return monday night although is dependent on the weather in this weekend's press conference, astronaut Megan MacArthur confirmed that the toilets on board the Dragon Endeavour are indeed broken. And of course, that's not uh, I mean, that's definitely suboptimal, but we're prepared to manage. I mean, I wonder if you've got a, like a, a space plunger or something. I mean, didn't they bring a, a space plunger or one of those toilet snakes? I mean, I guess you don't want a toilet snake floating around... Uh, with no gravity, space uh, space flights is full of a lot of challenges. This is one that we encounter more often than not. This is not the first toilet issue on the SpaceX Dragon capsule. An alarm went off on the SpaceX All Taurus flight earlier in the year, signalling a problem with the onboard waste management system. A uh, vice president, uh, Gerstenmaier. Uh, SpaceX said in a conference that the spacecraft's urine storage system had become disconnected in flight, allowing pulled urine to enter the fan system. It didn't cause any major problems on the flight. uh, Stale urine, that would be absolute stench, awful. A similar problem was then found on the crew uh, number two capsule. Uh, which is why it's been taken offline for the return journey home. NASA and SpaceX engineers say they did extensive tests to make sure the urine leak from April, when the crew was last in the Dragon capsule, would not have harmed the spacecraft over time. A new SpaceX mission, Crew-3, is set to launch no other than Wednesday. God, I hope they go around with bleach. Um, and uh, they said that Gerstheimer, the longtime NASA engineer before joining SpaceX, said the toilet problem will be fixed For the upcoming launch, because you don't want to, uh, you don't want any sort of launches going on with a toilet not working. The the, the worrying thing with the diapers, though, is not that I've worn a diaper in many, many a moon, but yeah, if the Velcro isn't quite attached, uh, then the diaper will come off, and then the diaper and everything inside the diaper will be floating around the SpaceX capsule. And uh, yeah, you don't want to attempt re entry with. uh, with a poopy diaper because as soon as the gravity comes back in guess what you've got a diaper on the head and uh, that really isn't how you want to uh, greet your friends and family upon uh, returning to earth after being up at the ether i don't know if any of you out there have ever been through the situation where you're going through a little bit of a you know sickness bout malady uh, recovering from something and um, you know your significant other or a friend, uh, you know, comes over, uh, maybe visits you in the hospital and uh, brings some nice, like, uh, box of chocolates or a bunch of grapes or something, and um, basically uh, sits there. I mean, you can hardly move because you're not feeling up to uh, up to very much. And then the uh, then the friend uh, basically uh, eats the grapes or uh, tucks into the chocolates and basically leaves you with the coffee creams. Now, I, I, I want to uh, invent a new term, I think, in this situation. Because, you know, there'll be many of you out there who've either suffered from COVID or had uh, some pretty nasty situations over the last uh, 18 months or so. And, uh, and you know, there's people out there come over and uh, you're not feeling really up to it. To check up on you. They bring you something and they basically... Consume, devour, or take it back with them. So I had the situation a little bit earlier, where you know I was, uh, as as everybody knows, I have a little bit of a penchant for the uh, uh, the chocolate cake, the gâteau chocolat, and uh, I was sort of sitting here. Uh, my lovely lady came over, to, you know, to see me and uh, you know pet me up a little bit here, and uh, just. You know, just make me feel a little bit better. That sort of caregiver type of uh, mentality. Um, yeah, bring some soup over. Uh, basically put a cold flannel on your head and, and just really make sure you're feeling good. So uh, uh, fantastic. I'm very, very happy. Um, uh, very happy chappy. And um, anyway, I had a you know, rather large slice of chocolate cake that was, uh, that was basically uh, in the fridge. And I was sort of, you know, waiting for her to, to, to leave and I was going to devour that chocolate cake. I, I mean, I need something to pick me up. I'm not feeling at my greatest here. So, you know, time was ticking by. a lovely time, lovely company. And, uh, and then right, uh, right towards the end, um, well, actually, she, she was leaving and I walked into the car. In my pyjamas, I know everybody's... I, try, God, I feel bad that I went out of the house, uh, went out of Chappie Towers with the uh, with the pyjamas on. Not not my idea of uh, of dressing to impress. Anyway, got to the car, I thought, oh, in a few minutes I'll be indulging in that chocolate cake. She said, oh, do you mind going to get that chocolate cake? I'm going to take it home. You probably don't feel like it, do you? Oh, and can you get the ice cream too? So I just want to introduce you to the term... Uh, you know, where somebody comes over, you know, makes you feel better, have a nice conversation, lovely company, but is in fact a reverse caregiver. So why do teapots drip? The teapot effect was described by the rheology pioneer Marcus Reiner in 1965. Since then, experts have been struggling to explain the complex phenomenon. Experts led with uh, the TU Vine model uh, the flow and film teapots being poured. They found the effect comes into interplay between inertia and capillary forces. When the flow is too slow, the drop at the end of the spout redirects the liquid. I mean, it's like flow issues once you get over 50, I suppose. There's medicine you can take for that. I'm sure, you know, you just have to do something with a spout. Um, I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Now scientists finally understand why I'm always dripping from my spout. The bane of many spotless tablecloths, the teapot effect sees liquid dribble down the side of the pot. That's why you need to press your spout against some sort of cloth or something when poured too slowly rather than forming an attached flow. Uh, physics uh, has been studying the phenomenon ever since it was first described in 1965 by Reiner, who pioneered a rheology, the study of flowing matter. So he goes from maybe studying the spouts on men to the spouts on teapots. But only now has a team led by the Vienna University of Technology managed to develop a complete theoretical understanding of why the effect occurs. The, the key they explained lies in how the drop forms on the underside of the edge of the spout, one whose size is dependent on the speed at which the tea is poured. If the speed falls below a critical threshold, the drop becomes large enough to direct the entire flow around the edge of the spout, causing it to dribble down the pot. Yeah, you don't want anything dribbling down your pot or your spout uh, as it comes to think of it. Alongside modelling the effect, researchers also filmed tea being poured at different rates with high-speed cameras. I mean, this is fascinating. I could watch tea being poured from a pot. That would definitely send me into very deep slumber. Um, so based on the team's work, there are two ways to ensure your tea ends up in the cup rather than the table. The first is to pull the liquid fast, holding the pot at a steep angle. So it's all about angles. So make sure you hold the spout at a steep angle. This sounds like sort of uh, some sort of tea karma sutra going on here, which ensures the flow has enough inertia to detach from the spout. Alternatively, one could use a teapot made of more a hydrophobic material which would resist the water's tendency to dribble at a slower flow. Oh, matron, is so a slower flow. Oh, dear. Although this is a very common and seemingly simple effect, it's remarkably difficult to explain, exactly within the framework of the fluid mechanics. According to the team, the mathematics underpinning the flow of the tea from the spout of a pot becomes a complex interplay of inertia and capillary forces. Specifically the former acts to ensure that the flowing fluid tends to maintain its original direction and the latter meanwhile counters this by slowing the liquid right down at the beak at the end of the teapot spout forming a bigger drop. So when the capillary forces are strong enough the tea spills rather than pours and then this switch occurs for a uh, given teapot at a specific contact angle between the spout and the flowing liquid surface. So basically the key to everything here is uh, get a firm hold of your spout and a very, very fast pour. So the other day I was on a lovely autumnal walk and uh, a rather lovely pond right by uh, where I live. And I do love having a look And the, you know, the, the hounds do like to go down by the pool. Uh, and uh, yeah, trying to stop them. Maggie's got a real interest in eating the uh, sort of pond algae or the pond grass that uh, washes up on the side, and trying to get it. I mean, who knows what uh, there's? Probably like goose feces. Oh my god! You know, it's, dogs are disgusting sometimes. But anyway, walking past the uh, the the pond the other day, and there was a lot of activity, a lot of splashing, a lot of movement, and something like was peering out of the water, which I thought could have been a fin. So I thought, well, you know, what sort of huge fish uh, could could be swimming around in this pond? So I took a deeper look and uh, started doing a little bit of searching about uh, different fish in in Colorado. And apparently... Uh, somebody had typed in are there sharks in the colorado river and uh, and this is some of the answers here bull sharks are known to travel up rivers they have advanced kidneys god i could have done with an advanced kidney at university when i was drinking too much compared to other sharks that allow their bodies to live in fresh water however there's no verifiable information of a shark ever being found in the colorado river uh but you know what the sharks genuinely like salt water, obviously, uh, but you know they delved in deeper. Are there sharks in the Colorado River? No, the water temperature is too low and the altitude is too great. Uh, then somebody asked, do bull sharks live in the Colorado? There's no verifiable information of a shark having ever been found in the Colorado River. But can there be bull sharks in the Colorado River? Yes, the bull shark is capable of living in fresh water, so it is possible. But there is no verified uh, sightings of bull sharks in the Colorado River. Colorado River flows through the Grand Canyon, drains into the Gulf of California, and is located in Colorado. But I mean, I did a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a a, a deeper sort of dive, so to speak, to excuse the pun. And uh, spotting what was swimming around in, uh, in the pond here. And I did ask my daughter... Uh, do you think that uh, there could be a bull shark in the pond there? Uh, Do you think it's a a bull shark or perhaps an otter? Now, you know, I'm still going, you know, there's a lot of people out there searching that there could possibly be a uh, a bull shark uh, in that pond because, uh, you know, people do search about bull sharks being in the Colorado River. And this was her response. There's no bull sharks in there. Yeah, so yeah. There's no bull sharks in there. So, yeah, there's no bull sharks in there, Daddy. You're a very silly little bugger, and it's probably an otter. So I saw this in a week, and this was rather, rather lovely. Eyelashes are supposed to prevent things from getting in your eyes. But when I do have something in my eye, it's always an eyelash. Ironic. So British tourists having sex in public places are damaging the fragile ecosystem in sand dunes on the Canary Islands beaches. studies revealed. Academic researchers identified 298 sex spots among the dunes and protected areas in the Nature Reserve in Grand Canaria. So how do you really consider and uh, analyse and find out what a sex spot is? I mean, does it have to have like some sort of grassy covering so you can... Hide away and uh, do your naughty, calm exploits in the sand without being seen? Or is it a rather firm, large trunk to uh, hold on to during the activity? I mean, who knows? But uh, Nebcast's dune hammocks covered in uh, plants are regularly affected by visitors treading paths through the vegetation or cutting branches off trees and shrubs to, uh, to make a semi-private space. Uh, the report said... Uh, yes, lots of grassy mounds around there, apparently. Uh, sand, sun, sea and sex with strangers is published in the Journal of Environmental Management. According to the research, which noted the large number of tourists from Britain, America and Germany, the bigger the sex spot, the higher number of people who made use of it. The greater likelihood of it being a lying area covered by vegetation and the larger amount uh, of waste. Patrick a professor at uh, Flinders University in Adelaide, Australia, Uh, has uh, made this uh, study and looked into this study, delved into this study in a rather big way. The rare plants are the first ones to disappear. Soon you'll lose connectivity for animals. A lizard had to run uh, from one uh, vegetated patch to another, making it more exposed to predators. Now, are the people looking for the sex spot the predators or the animals? It's very confusing. The whole ecosystem starts to fragment into isolated islands which can eventually destabilize the whole ecosystem. He added, uh, "Jellyfish-eating Gran Canaria giant lizards have died after eating condoms left behind by the pleasure seekers." Yeah, I mean that's very, very sad. You know, you know giant lizards uh, choking on uh, on a magnum uh, would yeah, very, very awful. Awful, you know. And, and dunes are dunes are traditionally very fragile. Sand does tend to crumble. Uh, the direct impacts generated around the sex spots can be observed in several ways, such as the impacts on vegetation, the abandonment of waste, or the presence of urinal and defecation locations. Oh my God, it's getting even worse. Uh, the most representative are cigarette butts, torn cut vegetation, toilet paper wipes, condoms, fruit peel, cans, and feces. Well, you know, I think this is putting me off the idea of any sort of beach sex in the, in the near future. The research found that cruising activity... We're not talking about, you know, all-in-one cruises or uh, <laughs> as much as you can drink. A different type of cruising activity has probably increased as a direct result of environmental changes associated with the urbanisation around the dunes, which has increased uh, which has increased the vegetation. One of the vegetation species which have colonised the dunes is Arboreal, taramax carinesis, forming groves that favour sexual practices. In more intimate places, the uh, report considered cruising as a concept which designates a practice of social interaction. that consists of anonymous sexual encounters. The spokesman said, "We're not calling for an end to public sex, but we do want people aware of the damage it can do." So, I started doing a little bit of research here. I mean, yeah, forget the forget the uh, the destruction of the dunes here. Uh, you know, when the dunes are rocking, don't come a knocking, or it could come a crumbling. I suppose, in, in this case. But started doing a bit of research because, you know what, I don't know why so many people are taking part in this uh, naughty june related activities. Because, I mean, how about the whole issue of a sandy crack? So I started doing a bit of research, Google is always your friend, and uh, I typed in how to avoid a sandy crack. Uh, yeah. And uh, here's, here's the results here. Five ways to prevent cracks in concrete. Ooh, why does concrete crack? Uh, how to avoid crumbly pastry from cracking well i don't want my crumbly pastry anywhere near my nether regions Uh, how to stop a windshield cracking how to prevent frost uh, heave cracking concrete Uh, seven paint mistakes uh, four problems in the canal network and five things you learn as a massage parlor prostitute, yeah. So anyway, so th- that did, that wasn't particularly helpful when it was uh, when I was doing some spotting there. So then I uh, then I did a little bit more research and uh, and then you know a little bit more delving around. Well, not literally delving, but how to avoid a sandy ass crack. And uh, then this is: Do you constantly suffer from butt sweat? Uh, swamp ass. Urban Dictionary: Sand zombie uh yes yeah, so this is this is this seems like uh this seems like very very promising indeed When somebody gets a substantial amount of sand in their ass crack, they transform into a sand zombie. Sand zombies are often found at beaches set up for bonfires because that's when many people gather around the warm fire and sit down in the sand, leaving their ass cracks exposed to a zombie infection. The sand zombie uh, spores fester mostly in pothead teenagers, but they can't remember to clean out their ass cracks. The mating ritual of the sand zombie begins with the mating calls. When the female sand zombie is ready to mate, she announces it by throat singing, Followed by loudly asking, "May I borrow your lighter?" Ooh la la, trompo trombone. Okay, so a horrified woman claims dead mouse fell out of tomato paste into pan while cooking. Ines Mariotta was putting the tomato paste into a frying pan when a dead rodent allegedly dropped out. She now vowed to grow her own tomatoes for future dishes. A woman claims that she was shocked to find a dead mouse lurking inside a tube of tomato paste that she was making a lasagna. Ines, Mariotta was preparing a tomato sauce for the Italian dish when she said she was stunned by the disturbing find. The uh, 52-year-old from uh, São Domingos, Brazil, was putting the tomato paste into her frying pan when the dead rodent dropped out. Ines, who works as a maid, said, I bought more than one tomato paste from this brand, but it's the last one left to use. I made the sauce in a large pot. When I put it in, the whole mouse came out. It was a scene that terrified me. It was literally a rat goo with mozzarella. And cinema goers beware. Staff are aware of all the naughty things you get up to whilst visiting the cinema. But most of that boils down to sneaking in our own snacks in a bid to stop a trip to the cinema from becoming prohibitively expensive. But for some risk takers appear they're using their time during the film for X rated acts which is strictly forbidden. Now one cinema work has gone viral after revealing how staff members can actually see exactly what's going on in the theatre. The uh, TikTok user went viral after sharing a video where she admitted she's constantly having to look away from the CCTV screen because of some of the couple's outrageous behavior. The uh, zooming in on the screen showing all the cinema rooms when people come into the cinema with are sneaky link to do the nasty. Uh, the work explained further in the comments, we have night vision goggles, so we've seen it all. I bet there's lots of messy hot dog eating without the buns. And a considerable lack of condiments. And in the UK, McDonald's has launched and announced its festive menu. It's getting colder dark, and we're about to officially enter the period of Christmas parties. So, fans of McDonald's will be pleased to hear that the Rangers' suitably festive items are appearing and available from November the 17th. So, for an example, in East Finchley, for a sneak peek of the menu, and uh, here are some of the items that they had on there. Basically, the fast food chain is introducing two new burgers with a Christmas influence, the festive stack and the festive crispy chicken. I mean, both sound absolutely, absolutely delicious. So this is what the writer said about the festive stack. This burger contains two British and Irish beef patties, the red onion relish with white cheese sauce, bacon, crispy onions, red onion, lettuce, cheddar cheese in a glazed brioche style bun. Reminiscent of the sandwich you create on Boxing Day, surrounded by leftovers, the cheese sauce is a nice touch with the chutney jazzes up the burger. The festive crispy chicken, meanwhile, is packed with a crispy chicken breast, Uh, fillet in a crispy coating with cranberry sauce sage onion mayo bacon and red onion lettuce cheddar cheese and a glazed poppy seed bun this is the christmas winner the cranberry sauce is nice and sweet while the sage and onion mayonnaise means it doesn't feel cloying perfect for ordering at 11 a.m after drinking all the shots at the annual christmas work do well I wonder what other items they have on the menus. At least they didn't do a Greggs with their uh, sausage roll in the nativity scene as Jesus. Maybe they should introduce the Muck Messiah. Apparently some very sad news. Is Gen Z killing Brussels sprouts? Traditional festive favourites such as Christmas pudding and Brussels sprouts are at risk of dying out as young people opt for Instagram friendly brunch spreads including a classic turkey and trimmings. Traditional festive staples such as Brussels sprouts and Christmas pudding are falling out of favour as Gen Z ditched the classic fare and instead opt for trendy brunches at Christmas. Instead of being one of the most favoured dinner sides of an older generation, nearly one in four people aged. 18 to 24 say they hate the Brussels sprouts, according to the research from Tesco. It's not just the trimmings that Gen Z are ditching. The number of young adults opting for Christmas pudding for dessert this year is a mere 8%, down from 24% in 2020. The number of 25 to 30 year olds opting for the traditional pudding has also fallen drastically, half from 30% in 2020 to just 15% in 2021, preferring chocolate. Uh, flavored desserts or gattos or cakes when it comes to christmas dinner it can be it can't just be any roast dinner it's also got to look great with young adults putting in extra effort to make their festive offerings more instagrammable this year popular tactics include ensuring festive offerings are looking good for the gram this year including serving food on platters as opposed to everyday dinner plates and using festive plants and flowers as additional uh, decoration But the end of the Brussels sprouts. Sprouts position as a festive staple might be at risk with a clear pattern emerging. It shows off the vegetables popularity waning with each generation. Those aged 75 plus are the biggest advocates with 65% declaring their love for them. But this drastically drops to just 26% when it comes to 18 to 24 year olds. And even though vegetable continues to split the nation uh, more of us still love them than hate them with 49% claiming to love them with only 20% hating them has also been an 11% rise in 18 to 34 year olds claiming to hate sprouts from 23% to 34% and 39% amongst 18 to 24 year olds there's also a significant 9% drop in those who claim to love them within this age meaning for the first time more people in this age group hate brussels sprouts you know what why don't you just put them on a tray drizzle of olive oil over the top some uh, crumbled wonderful french chestnuts and some pancetta or bacon and then put that in the oven for about half an hour in a high heat and everybody I, I you know everybody will love that Brussels sprout dish it's been super smashing great having you here today uh, for the podcast as i said i've done this from my bedroom laying on the bed microphone propped up You don't want a droopy microphone, but uh, it's been nicely and finely erect all through the show today. So uh, that's been absolutely fantastic. But if you like uh, the podcast, like and subscribe. It's across all platforms. You can listen on Spotify, Apple Music. Uh, You can also uh, listen on High Heart Radio, Pandora, Slacker, Amazon Music, Audible. It's absolutely everywhere. In fact, the last time I sliced the Brussels sprout in half, I could hear as a knife slice through the sprout, I could hear keep coming cauliflower cheese emanating from the green one that is the Brussels sprout. Please, let's not do away with Brussels sprouts, everybody. Absolutely fabulous. Um, but if you like music, if you like music with your podcast, if you like music with your chitter-chatter nonsense, then go in and tune in. To the Spotify edition of the Butler Emporium Playlist edition of the podcast this week. Where you can have Sean Mendes, Calvin Harris, Old Dirty Bastard, Jamie Cullum. You've got some TLC, you've got some Red Hot Chili Peppers. You have uh, also a little bit of Mr. Sandman. You have the Boomtown Rats, some Lionel Richie as well and some Ronan Keating. And always we sail away on a little Yacht Rock classic to close the show up with. Anyway, coming up next, we have a seasonal sort of Thanksgiving poem. This is called Thanksgiving Day lydia marie child over the river and through the wood to grandfather's house we go the horse knows the way to carry the sleigh through the white and drifted snow over the river through the wood oh how the wind does blow it tings the toes and bites the nose as over the ground we go over the river and through the wood to have a first-rate play hear the bells ringing tingling ding hurrah for thanksgiving day over the river through the wood trot fast my dapple gray spring over the ground like a hunting hound for this thanksgiving's day over the river through the wood and straight around the through the barnyard gate we seem to go extremely slow it's so hard to wait over the river through the wood now grandmother cap i spy hurrah for the fun is a pudding done hurrah for the pumpkin pie until next time we will have another podcast if i can prop myself up again Uh, before the end of the weekend. But until then, look after yourselves and cheerio for now.